Oh man, there it hopefully is again. It was there last week. Is it there this week? I don't know. When Jeff's away, Christian messes things up. Jeff is recovering well. Uh, this, of course, is DLC podcast. Jeff is recovering well. He's tweeting a little bit. He tweeted or Instagrammed a very disgusting picture of his eye. I mean, it wasn't disgusting, but like very red, but I guess that's good. <laughs> it was disgusting. You can say disgusting. Yeah, I can say disgusting. He said it was good. He said he's doing well. I hear everything's going well, so hopefully he'll be back soon. Hi, Jeff. Um, I'm going to run the show into the ground. I have one more week to do it, uh, but I am doing it with style, with style this week. Um, everybody knows that when Jeff's gone, I need an Anthony on the show. Uh, last week was Anthony Taormina. This week, it wouldn't be complete without a different Anthony joining uh, us again, me again, not us. There's no Jeff. Joining the show again, Mr. Anthony Carboni. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Christian. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be here. Good to have you. And because one Anthony was last week, like that was last week's show. We had one Anthony. It was fine. It was a really good show. Really good show. But, you know, I wanted to I wanted to get three people into the mix again. So joining the show again, and it's it's been too long, maybe maybe a year or something like that. Uh, but Danish Syed is joining us again. Danish, hello. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. This is uh, really exciting. Yeah, I've been kind of waiting by the phone, you know, for the uh, call back <laughs> to the show. But uh, I guess, you know, all is well that ends well. No, we, we, had, we have the data, and the last episode did ho- performed horribly ah, for us. Yes. So, yeah, I kept being like, Jeff, no, no, <laughs> no. But then finally, uh, I needed to make the call. Uh, so, but I... I the top man i'm stumbling around i need to say this show of course brought to you by squarespace and native and we will get to more of them later but they bring the show to you completely free but also danish and anthony for people who it's been a while since you've both been on the show so before we really dive into story of the week and stuff like that um danish you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh who you are what you're doing sure um i am a senior ui artist at nether realm studios and I have a podcast called Someone Should Make This, where we pitch game ideas every week. So those are a couple things you can check out. Awesome. And Anthony Carboni, people probably uh, know you from We Have Concerns and, and, and among other things in this. Sometimes you're on like uh, spaceships of some form mm-hmm. or fashion for some property I've never heard of. Yeah, it's a little, uh, little, why don't you little indie film, to the people? little series of indie films <laughs> called Star Wars. They're going to take off any <laughs> day now i hope uh we're, we're struggling please please go watch star wars somebody uh yeah so i'm uh, every week on the star wars show and um yeah i make over two to three youtube videos a year so you may have seen those um, <laughs> by the then, way Anthony, uh, i was uh waving at you at star wars celebration in chicago and you know in with the crowd couldn't see me but i was there uh it was a good one man i didn't know you were there yeah. Yeah, it was uh Chicago Chicago was good. Chicago was maybe best celebration ever. That was just a lot of fun. Um dang. And then uh yeah, I know. I mean, I've only, listen, I've only been to like 3 of them. So, <laughs> but I could say oh, <laughs> out of the 3 that I've been to, that's the best one. And then as people are listening to this on Monday, likely when it comes out, and I know sometimes people divvy up their podcasts and they might not fin- finish it until Wednesday or something, here at the top, you're doing something else today on monday that people should know about. yes uh today september 9th is the 20th anniversary of the sega dreamcast uh it's Woo. its 20th birthday we are all hurtling towards death the universe is ever expanding <laughs> uh the dreamcast is 20 years old so from 9 a.m to 9 p.m 
uh, today, if you are listening in a timely fashion. Uh, I am streaming all Dreamcast games on original hardware uh, with a bunch Dang. of friends today. Uh, potentially, we don't know. Christian is unconfirmed as of right now, but he might be there. Who knows? Who knows what the future I, holds? We have confirmed. We have confirmed. This is a new podcast we're starting. It's called We Have Confirmed. <laughs> um, so we're going to be playing those all day, and it's all to benefit a charity that I really love called Still Kickin', which is uh, a charity that helps one person. They're a smaller organization that helps one person a month whose life has gotten... There's some sudden catastrophic situation that could potentially the sort of things that could potentially derail someone if they don't have a little bit of support uh whether it is uh whether it is a death in the family or somebody being widowed or somebody having sudden health issues uh they give one of those people every month uh, sort of a financial grant to get them through that tough time so that one thing that goes wrong can't really derail their lives that's awesome. Where so pause this podcast here af- when after Anthony tells you where to go because this will still exist for you. Uh, this Dreamcast 20th anniversary birthday stream is happening now. Where can people go to find that right that now? That is twitch.tv slash Anthony Carboni. That's my full name. C-A-R-B-O-N-I is how you spell the last name. And uh, Still Kicking is Still Kicking with no G dot C-O if you want to check them out. Awesome. Very cool. Well, hopefully uh, you're no longer listening to me and you're you're watching uh, Space Channel 5 all day, every day. <laughs> Space what Channel 5 too. That's the one with Michael Jackson. It's aged really oh, well. Okay. Never mind then. We're not watching <laughs> that one. Um, so we're going to start the show the way we always do uh, with Story of the Week. Um, there's a lot of going on this past week in gaming. Also, we are recording this a little earlier than than usual when we would live it because uh, when I was able to get this Danish and Anthony together, I, I jumped at this opportunity. Um, Danish, I'm going to let you go first. There's a lot to pick from. We can certainly break things up, shake things out. It's something else you want to add, but I'm curious, sir, what is your story of the week? I think I'm going to go with Super Nintendo on Switch. It was an announcement that kind of okay. came out of nowhere. We had the SNES Mini come out, and everyone was sort of waiting on the answer to Virtual Console. I know that they had the monthly Nintendo games and stuff, but that one, uh, I think, seems to be uh, pretty pretty cool. Like, especially the fact that it was free. Like, if you're an online, you know, subscriber, I think it's awesome. It was free. There's a good selection of games. Yeah, I was pretty pleasantly surprised by that. Now, sure, I may have yeah. I may have bought a lot of those games individually back when there was a virtual console. That may have been taken from me and given back for free, but sure, yeah. Yeah, Love it. exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, not even once. I'm pretty sure I've bought it multiple times. I mean, in all fairness, this this sort of uh, rotating Netflix-y kind of model that Nintendo has going now is probably the way they should have gone from the beginning uh, because nobody really has a portfolio like they do. Uh, yeah, and they're the best to do this with, but um, it is it is good, and I am excited for it. Uh, I just sort of wish that the death of the virtual console didn't bring us this kind of neat service, you know? Yeah, it's kind of uh, what is it? Six in one hand and killing the virtual console in the mm-hmm. other. I think is 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 the saying. Yeah, my it's grandmother had that knitted on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> uh your grandma was very uh um, she's prescient omnipresent yeah yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she, she died in 1999 but she said invest in tesla and we were all like what are you talking about <laughs> oh man i hope that pans out yeah. for her then still because i don't i'm not sure about that one uh as part of the nintendo direct a lot of things came out of it but uh it had kind of been rumored for a little bit with some data mining but yeah 20 SNES games are available now if you are a subscriber to the nintendo switch online service which 
is is pretty dang cheap and you can do a family plan or like <laughs> college friends you know we're all chipping in um plan as well and with this they you know, not only aren't doing a virtual console style approach where you're piecemeal buying games but they also now have nintendo has dialed back the idea of new games every month which is what they kind of were doing when it was just nes games available now it's we'll, we'll update it <laughs> <laughs> But did you see the 20 SNES games we gave you? We gave you 15 of the objectively best games of all time and then five other yeah, ones. Yeah, get tired of those first. Um, <laughs> right, and, the, and then and then come play. So, Danish, have you, did you dive in? Were you already, a, so a couple of questions. Were you already a Switch Online subscriber? If so, does this make you want to keep it or did this make you get it? If so, if so, if so, what have you, what was your first, like, got, got to replay it? Um, I'm going to ignore all those if statements because I was very confused by them. But I bought it. Uh, <laughs> I actually got it with Tetris 99. That was the game that made me want to uh, jump on board. And I've kept it since then. It was like around the same time I got Mario Tennis. So playing Tetris, playing Mario Tennis online, like that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've been I had it this whole time. And uh, definitely I want to I, I wasn't planning on getting rid of it because it's you know, pretty inexpensive anyway. So this seemed like an extra bonus. And I did dive in. I played a few games like um, Pilot Wings. It's like one of my favorite games of all time. Always play Pilot Wings. Like I play it maybe once a year, or once every couple of years, just, you know, from beginning to not quite the end because that helicopter mission sucks. But um, that was super fun. And then uh, I just I was actually impressed by the whole UI and the interface. Things load so fast and you just jump in, jump out. They have, you know, save states and stuff. The one thing that's interesting, though, is they have a save state like usual, but they also have this rewind feature, which essentially what it's doing is saving save states constantly. And then you hold the triggers down and you can kind of like scrub backwards through them. And it kind of breaks some games. I mean, yes, you can save scum with save states, but the fact that it's so easy <laughs> makes games like Kirby's Dream Course, which I also love, kind of like broken because like, oh, I missed that putt. I'm like, okay, let me just rewind and play it again, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. That's super interesting. Anthony, I'm curious your take on that where it's like by giving the player the power, we're all going to abuse it, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> because we can't. I mean, we that's will? up. To, I, here's the thing that's entirely up to you, right? It's not like if you're playing multiplayer Kirby's Dream Course, if you're playing like a two player Kirby's right. Dream Course, obviously you're not going to be rewinding and fast forwarding the whole time. But if you're playing single player and and the way you like to play is like, oh, I missed that. And I know I'm going to lose this stage now because of it. I'll just, I'll rewind. I think if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Like if, if it makes the game fun for you, I, I don't, I don't particularly care. I like that that rewind is in there. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I'm not saying it I think the, shouldn't be there. No. I, and I think, I think the entire, uh, I think like you're saying the entire interface of it, as much as I'm like, I bought these in virtual console, like when the Nintendo library came out and I saw the interface and the attention to detail and everything they were attempting to do with it, I was like, oh, this is actually very good. Everything about this is very <laughs> good and polished and wonderful. Yeah, it's it's easy to get angry still or like it's like, oh, well, I don't. And then you look at it and you're like, OK, Nintendo, um, you did it. This wasn't a PlayStation mini or something. Yeah, you know? one like, thing I noticed, uh, I'm looking at the list here because I haven't jumped in yet, but um. I can't remember whether the NES one launched with like the versions of the games that have special save states. Like there's a there's a Zelda that you can launch that gives you like everything up top and puts you in the master quest if you want it. Uh, and I didn't I didn't right. or there's, you know, a couple different games that do things like that. I don't see any of those yet for SNES, but I have to imagine they're coming. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And that was a fun little addition where it was kind of like um, almost what sports games have been doing for a while, where it's like it's the fourth quarter, you're down by six, you're at the 20-yard line, go. And now Nintendo's giving you things like that in their old retro games to kind of complete these one-off yeah. challenges or difficult scenarios. That's One more fun. old man gripe. Um, and, I, and I promise <laughs> I'll stop old man griping after this. It, this is a minor thing. No, well, but... You mentioned the Dreamcast is 20 and we're all much older than yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, I was I I remember playing the Dreamcast in uh after like immediately when I was born in the in the hospital <laughs> ward. I'm just such a young man. Um thumbs up with uh Kojima <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the Exactly. World. I'm just like a, I'm a death stranding baby playing Jet Set Radio. Um no, one thing that I that I disliked um last time with the nintendo collection that i kind of dislike here is they keep releasing these mini consoles with the old wii controller connectors and uh mm -hmm. so i have two super nintendo controllers oh, and i cannot sucks. plug them into my switch yeah i gotta buy two but they're gonna sell wireless. you a new super nintendo yeah. controller that's a little that's a little bit of a bummer but that's uh yeah i'll let it go i'll let it go yeah, i'll speak to my therapist about it for 20 to 25 minutes that's going to cost you more than just buying I know, the controller. but I'll have peace of mind, and that's priceless, Christian. <laughs> Got it. Well, what do you have? We can talk about more Nintendo Direct stuff, certainly, as well, but we can also jump to something else. Um, what is your story of the week, sir? I mean, it's got to be Kojima. It's got to be this. It's got to be... <laughs> look, we're getting so close to Death Stranding, and there's this thing with auteurs, and there's this thing with Kojima, certainly, where... They just lock him in a room and let him do whatever the hell he wants. And he came out this week with a with a quote when he was asked about Death Stranding. And he was like, I don't understand the game. <laughs> Kojima said, he's like, I don't know. It's like it's the world, the gameplay, it's all new. Uh, my mission is to create a genre that does not currently exist and which takes everyone by surprise. Even now, I don't understand the game. That's You're getting a little close to release, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> do you think there was anything lost in translation there i mean understand could mean a variety yeah, of things. yeah maybe maybe i would hope so but i think it's also i think it's also <laughs> this is just kojima playing into the persona of kojima but the reason yeah. i love this mm -hmm. is because look how many minutes of footage have they released of death stranding now where like none of us understand what's going on it's it's a ladder it's I a ladder don't. placement baby shaking time travel Jeff Keeley with the voice of Matt Mercer game like I don't what is this I'm ready for it I want to play it Mads Mikkelsen is there Guillermo del Toro is there what am I doing mm -hmm. with what am I doing I'm just delivering cargo it's like Kevin Costner's The Postman like what is this <laughs> I think it's really telling that you know everyone was asking these questions for years and we knew that this first gameplay reveal was going to happen. And what was literally the first thing that they did? The P interface. I don't know if it's yeah, the Pinterface. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, was shown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it, obviously it was very tongue in cheek and, and everything, but still like, there's a thing that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong does way. That, um, that Suda does as well in a way that I really like. And Swery does to a certain extent as well, where it's just like, playing with the conventions of video games in a way where it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like watching an Edgar Wright movie 
you know, where he's like, if somebody is playing with the medium and the idea that he started off, it's like Gamescom, biggest game you've been waiting for, for a, a decade. What's going on? It's like, can you pee? Can you pee to, can you get rid of everything in your bladder? And I was just like, perfect. For me, that was well, a perfect it, reveal. It would, it would have been if he actually did follow it up with something. Cause I don't think there was anything else that came out of it either. Gameplay wise that like, Oh, that's this game is no, it was more ladder. Uh, it, yeah. was more, it was more of the, the winky, the winky satellite dish, which we know lets you see the dead people or the people that are trapped in time. We don't know what they are yet. Um, and we know that you can upgrade a baby before it deteriorates now, which I think is really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I have a love hate with Kojima that runs so deep, y'all. Like so oh, deep. Me too. Ooh, me I too. love it. One more than the other. That's where I. F- nah, man. I'm a, <laughs> I feel I'm like a I'm Metal f- Gear. I'm a Metal Gear Solid Two guy. I'm a shadow of a boss on the wall. I'm a. <laughs> I'm- <laughs> right, right, right. MGS Two is the perfect. I think the perfect example. And I was going to go with MGS Three and like the eating mechanic and like how odd that was at the time when it was kind of introduced. But I think MGS Two is. is is a great example here, Anthony, because Danish, it's like you said, it's a troll of the fans. And I don't, all having not played or certainly understood Death Stranding yet, I mean, there's no bigger troll than the entire game of Metal Gear Solid 2. You know, when you say trolling, it presupposes an intent Correct. that I don't think he but has. I, I think his intent is, I know what you expect. How can I subvert that yes. and still make it fun? You know what I mean? It, it, yes. Yes, thank you. Yes, well put. It's not, and it's not to make you angry. He's trying to. It, it, it's art, for lack of a better term. It's, it's subverting those expectations and finding a way to surprise people while working within a genre or the constraints that he felt, you know, of a game he was making, but still doing something bold, new, and innovative. And I hope Death Stranding is that. Also, I, I, I do wonder if there's some like you know, Banksy-esque performance to it where it's like, yeah, I don't understand the game. I made this thing. You all go figure it out, <laughs> you know? I like, think, I think all of that's great as long as there's bold. substance to it. That's yeah. really, and that's what we're all waiting for. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a very interesting thing of seeing, you know, there was some great PR spin and everything after PT, uh, and obviously where Konami's the bad guy and Konami was holding him back. And I think that was true to an extent, right? Like there's this idea where these sort of financial reports came out and it was like, look, Konami makes more money in a quarter on washing machines in Japan than they do on video games. So like, obviously like <laughs> yeah. how much do they want to let this guy just like spend unlimited dollars? Um, but there is something interesting about when an artist of any kind, whether it's a filmmaker or a musician or somebody and, they leave whatever the label or the distributor or the publisher or the studio is. And it's like, go do whatever you want now. And this is where we're going to find out how much the rubber band push and pull between Kojima and Konami actually kept his stuff interesting, playable, you know, for lack of a better term, marketable and bankable. And how much of it was like yeah. just his weird ass ideas. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Death Stranding <laughs> just for that, you know? Yeah. Danish, I'm curious, you know, with your, uh, your podcast, what, what would be, what's, what's your pitch for this? <laughs> well, what we try to do on the, <laughs> what we try to do on the podcast is actually come up with a mechanic first. And that seems like the well, opposite I, of what oh, this you is. Have, you have so many, you have ladder, you have peeing, you have <laughs> yeah. deteriorating baby, pick a mechanic. There are a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you I know what you usually do, Danish. That's the fun of having you do uh, 
<laughs> a real game of Death Stranding. Like what what would be the the version of that, right? Like from what we know about it, what would be the mechanic that you would build off of and pitch from? Like what's the or is it impossible at this point? I would say okay, we, here, here's, no here's my quick pitch it. off the top of my head. I would go with a Silent Hill style um, framework where there's two sides of reality. There's the ghosts and there's the living and you communicate with the other side and maybe you can cross over. Maybe there's um, these equal paths you can take and you're coexisting in both somehow. Of course, they haven't shown anything of the ghost world. I'm just speculating, but maybe there's something there. No, this is all official. Go ahead. Continue. This is great. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And then you turn into a space whale. (laughs) <laughs> i'm in here's uh, the thing about I, me man i'm uh, in yeah, i like that <laughs> yeah yeah i like that i like that a lot um i think uh i've mentioned that i will pick jeff's uh story of the week each week when he is an absent i i think this would be his pick this week because it is such a fascinating one a very headline grabbing uh quote even even now i don't understand the game kojima like <laughs> pretty pretty great i hope that's on the back of the box um and two i i feel like uh not to put words in your mouth buddy but i feel like jeff has a a real love-hate relationship with this game (laughs) where it looks so fascinating and speaks to so many interesting things that he likes about video games of like creating a world and experience and making something that is you know there's intent behind everything that's made but also seems so frustrating in terms of what I'll is back, it? I'll back <laughs> ambitious and unique and and even like broken in in that you know in the pursuit of ambitious and unique and new every single time. You know, some of my favorite games are just weird, broken, but interesting, unique messes. Because I think that's the stuff. Yeah. Like somebody will look at three different things in Death Stranding and be like, oh, I can make a game from this. And those three things will all of a sudden become things that are in every game for the next 10 years, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we're certainly still seeing that from Metal Gear in, in, in a way of, of everything that, you know, has spawned from, heck, even the Nintendo version, but much more so from the PlayStation 1 version of that game. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, to hit a couple of the Nintendo Direct stuff just quickly. Actually, real uh, quick, before we oh, move yeah, on ahead. from Death Stranding, there's also another story that's going to have a very easy mode. I mm-hmm. thought that was actually pretty interesting as well. Yeah, and I think he said it was for the actors to play it, right? Like, if you want to experience the story, you'll have a very easy <laughs> mode. And also, he wanted the actors to be able to experience the yeah. game. He wanted, Yeah, he wanted Mads Mikkelsen. Like, can you imagine handing Mads Mikkelsen, like, a PS4 controller and being like, okay, so here you go. And he's just like, no, thank you. <laughs> I think that goes one of two ways. It's either no thank you or he's like he won the Fortnite Open. You know yeah, what I mean? Secret pro <laughs> gamer. Yeah. He yeah. He he he's like, let me get my, he pushes that away and you're like, Yeah, I knew he doesn't game and then he opens up his briefcase and pulls out his scuff controller, you know, with paddles and he's ready to go. Yeah, he's like, For this one I think I'm gonna use the medium weight sticks and <laughs> Whoa, Mads Mickelson. Yeah. Do you guys remember the uh Mass Effect three difficulty select, the choose your experience thing? Yeah. Where it was, uh, basically, it was kind of like a difficulty select, but there was more to it. It was action, role-playing, and story, I believe. And, like, the action ones would have the dialogue trees just play out as cutscenes. And the role-playing one, you have, like, dialogue trees and everything. And then the story one, I believe it's the same thing, but the combat is really, you know, easy and stuff. So I always love that idea of, like, tailoring games to a specific experience. And you can do that with difficulty, like they're doing with Death Stranding, but... I just something about having that extra specificity of 
no, we're going to cut out certain modes or features to really streamline it. I, I wish games did that more. Yeah, I think the last Tomb Raider had a really interesting right, approach. Right, because it had a puzzle well, difficulty do... and a combat difficulty. That's right. Yeah, there. Are, I think there are at least those two, and then maybe even a third. Um, oh, yeah, exploration. Like, things would be more or less highlighted. Yeah, love depending it. Depending on how you wanted to navigate. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Nintendo Direct. So we talked about the SNES games, SNES controllers, Deadly Premonition 2. Everybody is, go is play coming. Deadly Premonition. If you haven't played Deadly Premonition yet, play it on your Switch. It's It's amazing. Yeah, one dropped on Switch as called Deadly Premonition Origin. Two uh, is coming exclusively to Switch. Uh, at least right now, it's exclusive. Divinity Original Sin is on Switch with Steam Cross Save, which love is that. pretty incredible. I don't even love Divinity Original Sin, but I do. Every time there's cross save between platforms, I just feel like an angel gets its wings. I I, I support yes. it. I support it. Do you know who uh, didn't get their wings? Um mercy and overwatch because she does not have cross save but she is coming to switch (laughs) (laughs) uh so that was announced like cold opened of it that rumored it's out uh terry bogart is coming to super smash brothers plus new characters beyond it this this character pack doom 64 was confirmed for the switch which i think is incredible it launches in november and then the jedi knight ports which oh yeah kyle i remember loving those games yeah the, that's I, I my hope for those ports and and i'll just say this without asking for anyone to comment because i am no way looking for anything that shouldn't be said uh, my hope for those ports is that this character gets brought back into my life <laughs> in a new way well i don't know that's anything I, I don't know anything about anything but i do love kyle katarin and uh i'd i had forgotten until these got brought up again that in old continuity in the e in the eu uh, he's the guy that stole the Death Star plans. Hmm. In in Jedi Outcast, you steal the Death Star plans, and I had totally forgotten about that. So it was, it was, it was pre-Rogue One how the Death Star plans were stolen. Yeah, that's game. wild. It's a fun yeah. game. Well, I it's completely fun because missed... the... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, I was just going to say, plus the, uh, the lightsaber combat in it, once you get to uh, Jedi Outcast 2 and you get into Jedi Academy... Is really good. At least I remember it being really good. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. Is I actually these games kind of passed me by. I, I've never played them, and I'm certainly interested in checking them out now on the Switch. But what's the pitch? What's the uh, reason to get back in? And do you think it's going to hold up? Kyle Katarn so basically starts off as rebel spy, and then finds out that he is he's got he's got a Jedi background. He comes from a Jedi family, um, and he sort of like. Uh, avoids it for a long time and then embraces it and so what you get is instead of uh your your standard star wars game where it's like this game is smuggler guy and this game is jedi guy and this game you know what i mean you get Mm -hmm. a character that um gives you all of them in one game uh so like you'll start off with like your basic sort of it was in the era of i want to say i want to say like wolfenstein right it was like it was like Like quake like doom quake yeah like it was very like it was very early FPS, and so you get like all your standard, all your standard uh, weapons and everything. And then once he decides, no, nah, I'm a Jedi, I can be a Jedi. Uh, all of a sudden, you get these levels that uh, the level design in the game changes, and you get like a lot of ver- verticality because all of a sudden you can do like Jedi force jumps, and all of a sudden you get a lightsaber, and you get three stances of lightsaber to pick from. So you get like a heavy light and balance stance that you can switch on uh, from on the fly. So it gives the whole game more of like a 
more of a strategy kind of sword fighting fencing kind of deal. It's good. It's a good game. That sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, I I do not know how it holds up, but at the time, I think what was so remarkable about it is how great of a shooter and third person lightsaber like sword fighting engine it managed to pack where both felt rewarding and really fun to do. Um, I, I'm fascinated that it's coming out, you know, so close to Fallen Order um, mm-hmm. also coming out. So I guess it's. You I know, think they see it as like in. support. Yeah, they see it as like, hey, do you like Star? Do you like a Star Wars game? Here's some more Star Wars game. Um, yeah, and it's worth noting that these are just the single player portions of the games because they did mm. have deathmatchy, lightsabery kind of PC land party fun. Uh, but the Switch ports, I believe, are not getting that. Okay, cool, good to know. Mm-hmm. My story of the week. It's it's no real surprise. It, it should be out now as you're listening to this. Uh, Celeste, farewell. DLC is out or hopefully out. We're recording before Monday, but it's supposed to be coming out. Chapter nine coming out on nine, nine. Um, it was announced at the end of 2018, but then was it delayed past the game's first birthday, which is kind of the original hope for it to come out. And it, originally it was going to be a few extra levels. Uh, now it is still a free update, but apparently it's a hundred levels. Wow. Another a hundred levels. So now there's a total of more than 800 in the game. And Lena Rain, the composer for the score, has done an additional 40 minutes of new music. Amazing. Amazing. I am going to break my Switch. Like, I'm <laughs> so excited, and I'm definitely going to break my Switch trying to play these. Um, I love, I love how much, I love how much they just keep putting into this game. Uh, and I love how much they love this game as much as the player as much as like it's diehard fans love this game uh and i've been yeah. it's one of these things where like oh 100 extra levels to me is like i don't know you it, it's 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 so theoretical to me because i've just been chipping away at the game slowly over the last year and I, i'm i don't even think i'm anywhere near the end it's one of those things where i'll get into a celeste mood and for like a week i'll just like i'll chip away at like a section of celeste and then i put it down for a little while and i can always come back to it so it's wild to think that there is even more Celeste happening for me. I'm super yeah, excited. Danish, did you ever? Oh yeah, I love Celeste. In? I absolutely love it. It was I was right there with you. It was one of my favorite games that year, and definitely looking forward to this. So yeah, cannot wait for it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the type of thing where feature creep is a okay with me. It's like yeah, push it uh, past your original launch date if this means a hundred <laughs> levels. Uh, that is a. Okay. Um, quick other things to hit just uh, for funsies. Nintendo kind of surprise dropped, and maybe there's more information now uh, or coming. But they're, they're Switch Fit, I'll call it. Uh, it's it's a it's a ring that you put Joy-Con in, and you can shoot it like a bow and arrow, but also do a thigh master. Um, I, I'm not sure what to think. Anthony, did you watch what's out yet? This little like teaser leak trailer video thing. Yeah, it's. It's Nintendo as heck. It's Nintendo as heck, my dudes. They're back. Great with the heart monitor. Um, man, I love the heart <laughs> monitor though. I love the heart. It's such a good idea. Um, yeah, it's wild. Uh, I did. I I was looking for motions that I could latch onto and sort of figure out figure out what they're going for. Crushing here. skulls. Crushing skulls definitely <laughs> is probably like what Nintendo's going for is mostly Mario Skull Crusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew there was a reason why I got Mortal Kombat on Switch. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Best version, only version. Um, so 
yeah, this uh, I, I saw like a bow and arrow motion for sure. Yeah, um, which I links crossbow training, dude. I mean, look, I the like the good. idea of it. I like the idea of this one sort of like it, it looks like a plasticky, rubbery ring that bounces back immediately to its original shape. Uh, so. Yeah, I love the idea of pulling back on this rubber band, this giant rubber band, and having it act like a crossbow. I'd play some more Lynx crossbow training if that's what it was. Um, but Danish, do you think this thing has Joy Cons have fidelity to pull? This seems like they're launching the Switch Lite, which doesn't have detachable Joy Con. I know you can still buy detachable Joy Con, but at the same time, launching something that requires detachable Joy Con is this? Are we at? Does this mean that we're at the best version of Nintendo because it's? super zany nintendo um well i don't know i i, I think that people who are going to get the, the switch light are not going to care about this anyway and this is some hmm. weird thing that i think i don't know it's it's a niche thing i think it, i don't know how mass market it's going to be but at the same time i'm kind of into it too i think it's an interesting idea and about the fidelity i'm not sure what you mean i i assumed and i don't really know i don't think anyone knows how it works i assumed there's gauges on how much you're pushing and pulling on it and that's just being sent mm -hmm. to the joy con that's being sent to the switch i don't know though yeah i think it's based on the way the the arrow the bow and arrow motion looked one of the one of the ir cameras is pointed inward towards the other end of the hoop so it can probably gauge the distance between mm. how far it is from the hoop and then one camera seems to be pointed kind of outward on the other joy con it's interesting i mean but listen i'm i'm somebody who's i like labo and as long as they keep like putting labo like a little bit of labo support into like a game here and there i feel kind of good about my labo purchase but i think as with all nintendo peripherals you have to kind of wait and see if they do more than one thing with it yeah that that is a good point um you have to wait and see, dear listener, for the games we've been playing on Playlist because I need to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. 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 How's that for not a yell? Uh, Squarespace, you might know that JeffCanada.com has been built on Squarespace for over 400 years. Um, Jeff is very old. Uh, it's been housed on Squarespace for over a decade. Uh, Department of Parenting, the site I built, Squarespace. Squarespace, uh, you can turn your cool idea into a website, showcase your work, blog, publish content, sell products, uh, pretty much whatever you want to do. And it's all uh, through beautiful templates created by world-class designers, you can have powerful e-commerce functionality can let you sell pretty much anything. You can customize the look and feel settings, products with just a few clicks, and everything is mobile optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can also buy domains, choose from over 200 extensions, analytics. Uh, go make it. Make it yourself. You can easily create a website by yourself, and you can make it stand out. You can stand out on that online crowd with a beautiful website. So if you're ready to start your new business, make it stand out, get it started with Squarespace. If you can think it, if you can dream it, you can make it and you can make it with Squarespace. So here's what you're going to do. Uh, go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, J-E-F-S-S-E-N-T-M-E for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. So seriously, thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and for supporting this show in DLC and making it possible. That is squarespace.com slash Jeff 
sent me. And now Jeff has sent us to talk about our playlist. Danish, you got to kick things off with Story of the Week. Uh, Mr. Carboni, I'm very excited to hear about what you've been playing. Uh, so, what's on your playlist? Uh, I've, been, I've been in the midst of moving house, so most things are all boxed up. Um, but my Switch is not, and I got to play a bunch of River City Girls. River Go City on. Girls is so good. It's so good. Yay. Um, so way forward, you know, from Shantae and Mighty Switch Force and every game that looks like a legitimate animated cartoon that you've ever seen um, has brought out this kind of spiritual successor to the classic River City series. And it is very much in the vein of the original games, which um, if you're not 3,000 years old and you're not celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Dreamcast uh, as an adult. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I can't make so... <laughs> it. Sorry. I... Uh, it's, it's the most like the Scott Pilgrim game that came out a few years back. Ooh. Um, so it's yeah. an open world 2D kind of brawler where, you know, you beat up you beat up villains and when you beat them up, you get coins and then you take them into little shops and buy upgrades and buy new moves. And it's it's really wonderful. Uh, River City always had this. It's the first game I remember playing that had like a real cartoony style to it throughout. Um, and they really way forward is obviously a perfect match for that. Um, they are not doing their normal clean, like animated series style. They actually do like pixel art, which I'm a little, you know, I have some pixel art fatigue in smaller games, but they do it just incredibly well. It's some of the most well animated pixel art I've ever seen. Uh, and also the soundtrack is like unbelievable. It's Chipsel and Dale North and Megan McDuffie. Uh, and it has this like beautiful kind of like eighties, early nineties, retro pop soundtrack with like full-on vocals throughout the whole thing uh it's it's great it's great go get river city girls totally sold i love way forward stuff this looks amazing it's great and the voice there's voice acting in it uh which is really wonderful um a couple of friends of, of mine pop up in it and i got really excited and uh yeah if you like a classic old style beat-em-up this is this is the thing yeah, it sounds incredible, and the videos I've watched look amazing as well. My question is, and I don't think it necessarily needs to, but does it try to push the genre forward in any ways? Is it you know, just a perfect version or trying to create that perfect version of this type of brawler, or is it trying to is it trying to add new things or say something new, or is it kind of just doing what it does? It's more sort of perfecting it, though there are things that they add in that aren't new they aren't like groundbreaking but they're new to sort of they're new to river city so there are parts of it that are kind of more platforming based than just beat em up based which are interesting um some of the side quests are a little more involved than they would have been back in the day um there's there's this part that actually i really love and this is a minor this is a minor that's not giving anything away, but there's there's a bit where you have to like jump around on top of furniture in a room littered with children's toys. Cause if you squeak on one of the children's toys, you wake up a guard. It's like really, it's really hilarious. That's awesome. Um, how does it feel on Switch? Are you playing I guess you're playing in handheld mode? I'm playing in handheld mode. Uh it feels really good. It looks really good. The control is extremely solid. 
Um, and you know, what part of the thing with the river city series is you, you buy and equip new moves and combos as you go. And it always feels it, it, you can randomly mash if you want to, but you can get as technical with pulling off those moves as you want as well. So it, it definitely controls well enough for me. That's awesome. How long would you guess, uh, the experience is? Well, it depends on how much you want to like grind to get stuff and get new moves. You can you can probably rush through it in you know in in less than you know less than twenty hours for sure. But uh, I wouldn't. You know, you'll miss out on a, on a lot of the fun of it. Yeah, very cool. So that's River City Girls. You're playing on Switch. Yeah, um, but it's out on everything. It's out on everything. Anything else that you're playing or you've been playing um, recently that you maybe want to talk about while while we're here? Pokemon Go, baby! It's 2019, and Pokemon Go is good now. Okay, this is fa- yes. This I do want to have this conversation. <laughs> August was like its biggest revenue month, right, or second biggest, or something like that. Like it's it's, it's back. back, baby. Team Rocket's there. You can battle Team Rocket. They've was got- there a big update, or was it something that's just incrementally now we're here? It's just slowly been getting better and better over the last few years. I jumped back in last year before Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu came out because they were going to have that interoperability. Um, and I hadn't played since like 2016, right? Like I put it down after the first three months uh, and they've added, they they revamped the gym battle system. You can now battle other trainers. You can battle Team Rocket will pop up randomly in areas. Um they do a lot of community stuff now. Like they're very, very active with planning community days and community events and encouraging people to trade and go out and kind of make friends with other Pokemon players. Like I'm part of a discord server for my neighborhood and it's like, Hey man, this like somebody will pop up and be like, I need to do a five star raid tonight. I know everybody's done it already. Can some people just meet me here? And, and people will be like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Or, uh, there'll be That's a Saturday awesome. raid day and it'll be like, Hey, the shinies are out today. Who's, who's like coming out and like 30 people from my neighborhood will show up and we'll walk like a big circuit around to like all the gyms and all the stops until everybody's gotten everything, everything they need. It's still basically like just walk around, catch Pokemon and collect stuff. But it's, it's really the interaction. Pokemon go is the friends we made along the way. How about that? (laughs) That's that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I mean, honestly, hearing you talk about it and still knowing that, and I know the game never really went away. It's kind of like, Oh yeah, PUBG's dead. No, yes, Fortnite is bigger, but PUBG is still making more money than I'll ever see in my life. Right. Um, and Pokemon Go is kind of the same thing where it's like, yes, it's not the thing that the newscasters are saying at the 10 p.m. news to be like, man, an accident while playing Pokemon Go. But it's it's huge and remaining huge. But hearing the story about like the Discord server and, and people still going out and the community being that strong, that it really warms my heart to know that. It's still bringing people together. I'm curious, Anthony, what is your, and whether it's daily or, or weekly, like what is your personal interaction with the game? Like what's the gameplay loop that pulls you in? Is it the Discord, like a friend or a neighbor pinging and saying something? Or is there something uh, about the game itself that kind of calls to you? So daily, um, it's it's great because the loops are so quick all of the individual gameplay loops. So whatever time of day you're just like waiting in line and you're doing whatever you would normally do, you can open up Pokemon Go and you can spin a gym, you can catch a couple Pokemon, you can send gifts to friends, you can open your gifts. And it's just, it's a nice thing to do when you've got like 10 minutes. And then probably once once or twice a month, there will be a big day, some sort of big event 
um, that will kind of bring all the Pokemon players outside. And so what I will do is one or two weekends a month, there will be a day where I go out and I either take like a really long walk and I'm going to do everything I need to do in Pokemon, whether it's like a, a research quest that they gave me or there's a today is a community day and this one particular type of Pokemon is out and the shiny drop rate is up so I can get all my shinies. And then like there will be once a month that is a big community day where everybody genuinely needs to get together to take on raids and stuff. So I would say I play like maybe like 10 to 15 minutes a day and then twice a month there will be big days for either me alone or me with a group. So last question, as I clear my throat, apologies. Um, it's a personal question, so I understand if we, we all have our demons. How much have you spent, would you guess, since coming back? So I have a rule with mobile games, and my rule is if the mobile game is new and I, and I open your mobile game for a week, you get you get probably five or ten dollars for me, whatever whatever that whatever the purchase is for your game, right? Because I got a week out of it, so I'll give you ten. If it's a game that I've been playing for a while, um, I will kind of budget myself to ten to twenty dollars a month, but I don't think I spend that on Pokemon Go. I think probably like once every three months, I'll put ten bucks into it. And that's not because I have to. It's more just because like I play Pokemon Go so much yeah. that I feel like, hey, I've been playing this a lot, and now I'm I'm low on, you know, whatever like incubators to hatch eggs or some whatever mobile garbage they threw in, or like <laughs> or like you know, there's a cool new but outfit. Giving them giving them ten dollars, encouraging said garbage. <laughs> well, but it's not. But it's not like garbagey to the point where like I get plenty of incubators. Right. Like I get, I hatch plenty of eggs, but like once every three months, it's like, man, I just want to hatch a lot of eggs. Mm. <laughs> so I'll bet, or like once every three months, it's like new outfits out and I actually really enjoy this outfit. So I'm going to put my little guy in this outfit for three months. Um, yeah. that, that sort of thing. Uh, and I yeah. feel like as long, you know, if you look at it as, Hey, this is a game that continually brings me a lot of joy. I, you know, make a budget for it and support the game so it doesn't get more aggressive with mobile stuff or disappear entirely, you know? Yeah, I'm a big fan of having a budget. Um, That's awesome. Um, Danish, I know you're playing a couple of things that uh, are the new current hotness. Um, Where do you want to start with what is on your playlist, sir? Well, I know you've been playing a lot of these too, but the one that I think, I don't know if you're playing Eliza, but that's the one that I want to talk about. It's basically a visual novel. Eliza is it was about, stealth stealth dropped, right? Like at Gamescom kind kinda, of Sony yeah, kind of just dropped it. Uh, it's a game by Zektronics, I believe. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's this sort of visual novel where you are playing a surrogate to an AI counselor or therapist. It's an awesome idea. It's like that scene in her where, or even like Blade Runner where there's like this, physical person that's taking on the role of an AI or computer or something. And so you're doing that, but for therapy, for mental health. And it creates all these really interesting scenarios because it's a great framework for a visual novel because it actually like enhances it. The fact that you are clicking on things, dialogue options, which aren't even options because you're supposed to say what the AI tells you to say, and you're just clicking on them to say them. The act of clicking on things is what you would do in a visual novel to continue speaking or talking. But the fact that it's contextualizing it in this way is genius. And it's um, 
it's a great idea. It's a great sort of world they've built about, you know, modern day apps and mental health, this intersection, which is happening now. I mean, there's apps that do this sort of, it's not automated or anything. There's supposedly still a human being there, but it's a really interesting idea for a game, for a visual novel. And uh, I, I think it's, if it keeps up the the rate at it's introducing like these incredible ideas, this could be like one of the best games of the year. Wow. Yeah. What, are, what are you playing on? I'm playing on Steam. Okay. Yeah, I think I had it confused with something else. There was a different game um, that I think Sony Stealth was like a live action game, but it's not this at all. Um, this is called Eliza, yeah. and it's on Steam. Yes. Oh, I think you're thinking of uh, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is the other <laughs> female E name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I checked it okay. out for sure. Very cool. Um, what else? What's next? So do you want to talk about some Gears? Did you play Gears? I've played some Gears. Why don't you start? Uh, what do you think? Me? Okay. Okay. So I did. I had a couple of tweets as I was late night digesting. I am three hours in to Gears based on... I'm playing on PC. Um, I had some... I don't know if it was... I don't want to say it was server issues or not because i'm just kind of doing the campaign but very long loads that kept me from playing as i was like i don't know what's happening i'll come back to this later so about three hours in um i will start by saying that again i'm on a 2070 super uh it is no big deal gorgeous yeah no big deal it is stunning um how are those rays absolutely traced there are, there's, there's no my my rays are just pre-rendered i guess oh. um it does not support ray tracing which is a, a bummer but it is rock solid the my frame rate um the fidelity the amount of detail on buildings and like little things that you kind of start to notice um during some of the walk and talk sections that gears is kind of famous for of like oh my character has my shoulder pad is four pieces and they are moving independently of each other. And it's it's like, does that affect the game in the grand scheme of things? No, no. But wow, is it awesome. And I think it brings me more into the world to start noticing things like that. Or like when the mechanical doors go up, it's like you see the gear spin and then the metal sheath comes down and the part comes over and the thing flips up and it zooms up. And it's like, oh, wow, that's how that thing would work. <laughs> you know, I can I could go build that in real life based on the details I saw in this game. Um, absolutely stunning. The, the thing about it, though, I think where I am right now, campaign only, uh, I think this might be the best version of a franchise I don't care about. <laughs> I know yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I, I have a very similar yeah. feeling. Yeah. It's like, and I haven't got to the part where it really opens up, which I, I broad spoiler, sorry, I already said it. Um, I know it's coming and I've moments here and there, but I, I I think my tweet, which I probably didn't express well because it was late and character limits, but I, I'm ready for Gears of War to make me have to put a year after its name. Like I want God of War 2018. I want Doom 2016. I want this, this is a... a an amazing Gears 5, an amazing Gears 5. But with that, it, it feels like it's still saddled with all of the things that Gears 1, 2, 3, and 4 were. And 
it does it really well, better than any of the other versions. But the, like wall bouncing, which I know is a hallmark of the franchise and utilized so well by competitive multiplayer players. But like the way I still have to slam behind a wall before I can jump over mm-hmm. it. It's like, just let me jump over it. Um, how I love the active reload. I'm surprised more games haven't stole yeah, that. That's yet. still one of my favorite still. things about it. But it's great, but because it's so great, I think it's part of the reason why even the weakest of enemies are bullet sponges. Like you are, I am, I should say, reloading a lot. It's like, oh yeah, this is just the lowest level grunt and I've drained three clips, <laughs> you know, from my Lancer. What difficulty are you playing it on? Norm, medium, normal? Just a default. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't adjust it up or down. So whatever the default is. And then my last nit, um, that tutorial thing that you have to do or i had to do i'm assuming everybody has to it's awful it was so protracted and unnecessary yeah especially for the fifth game of a franchise and i know i love control and i rave about it uh, probably three weeks in a row on this show four if you count e3 but like that game didn't have a tutorial you know it's like onboard me don't and what gears 5 does if you've played it you know but it's like you're in a training course and Baird is making you do stuff to train the bots, but it's like, it exists outside the game. It's not as if it's the first level and they have you do things. And it's just, it's literally like, now pull the left trigger. Rad. Pull the right trigger. Oh, extra rad. Hide behind this wall. So rad. It's so funny because they're, they're so simple, but they still ask you if you want to repeat them. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then one time I was kind of messing around. I was like changing weapons and I accidentally hit the left D-pad button to change my weapon. And I hit, yes, I want to do it again. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then this isn't a nit. So that's why I was not lying when I said my last nit. The other thing where I feel like maybe I've moved on and I'm going to finish the campaign. I am enjoying the bombastic ride that it is, but it feels as someone who loves pop punk and went to Blink's Enema uh, 20 year anniversary tour, like last week or whenever that was that I mm-hmm. went and I loved it, but it, it feels like that to some extent where it still feels like a 2006 game where it's like, Oh, war yeah. sucks. War so awful, but let's go kill these guys. Cause we're having fun. Woo! I mean, war! That's the trick, match, match. right? Is like, if you're going to bring, if you're going to do that, uh, you kind of have to do, what they did with God of War, where they're like, we we understand that this is an acro- this is from an anachronistic time in video games now. Like we understand that Kratos is uh, not cool, right? So like, let's R- do something right. yes. where we acknowledge that Kratos is not cool and sort of figure out what that means and how to change it while still keeping it the story of Kratos. And I and I keep yes. waiting for Gears to do that, and it felt like Judgment wanted to do that but wasn't allowed to. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. with that whole, with the whole overarching like courtroom trial sort of narrative that it had. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it's like high five and chainsaw locust, I guess we're back. <laughs> and you know what sucks is the yes. aesthetic is also sort of stuck in that way too. Cause they can't, cause gears has such an iconic look to it. And I think they can't change that, but at the same time, that's another thing that kind of brings you back to the 2006 thing of like yeah. this. I mean, I know that you can't give some, them next now. They've never had next before. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, there was a, a friend of mine posted an old clip of gears two and it actually has evolved quite a bit. Like 
that game was gray, super, super gray. But and now we have actually like lush colors and great art direction and everything. But but yeah, still uh, yeah. the the fat heads. I just I'm so over the fat heads. Well, and like, what's the what's the statute of limitations on on crying about your dad too? Because like the dudes the dude was like forty five in the last game and like crying about his dad. Still, I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, apparently it's not All yet. Right. So just keep I, I, just I keep taking a chainsaw to things and don't go to therapy, buddy. <laughs> uh, Eliza, you can uh, use Eliza. <laughs> Yeah, you, there we go. Perfect. Yeah, we've solved it. Um, so I, I know that, and I, I know, I, I hear you listeners. I know I have a tendency to hark on negatives while I talk about a game I love. I think it was the year Uncharted 4 was like my favorite game of the year. I was like, I love it. Now, here's all the stuff I don't love about <laughs> yeah, exactly. it. Um, I'm actually having a blast so, too, like I, just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. So like I am, I am losing myself in these combat moments of what it does so well is this i'm popping in and out of cover i'm diving over to the next thing of cover i'm lobbing a grenade to close a locust nest while then active reloading my lancer to come around to flank while a new locust nest i feel like the ai and like enemy placement is smarter even over gears forwards keeping me moving more and that i think is where gears really shines and i'm doing all of that at i think i'm at like 120 frames per second ultra everything the like you said the lush beautiful jungle environments you are the re, uh, where you're part of the game the richly detailed and bombed out towns that are not gray in any way shape or form um so i, I find myself getting lost in those moments and then when that the gameplay treadmill stops then that's when i get punched in the face and reminded about 2006 but danish i've poisoned your well a little bit but i want to hear your impressions i mean i think you summed it up pretty well i don't have that much more to add uh i will say though that i'm playing it on a base xbox and uh base xbox one and it's it's looks good but definitely i was getting a little envious as i was hearing you describe how it looks it looks good not amazing i think there's a lot going on but um but yeah i, I think like you kind of touched on that throwback feeling like that's not necessarily a bad thing like when you pick up a game, it's like, there's almost like a warm blanket. Like, Oh my God, this feels like I'm back in my, you know, checking out the 360 and playing uh gears one or two, whatever co-op and things. And it's, it's incubus morning view is a good album, you know, <laughs> like it's a good album. <laughs> well, and it's not like we ask two. It's not like we ask 2d Mario yeah. games to change right. very much. Right. We, we we still like playing 2D Mario games in exactly. 40 years And we're later, also comparing so. it to one of, I think, the greatest achievements in video games in God of War 2018, in that one, the game alone was incredible, and two, what it was able to do with a franchise that seemed dead and totally revived. And now it's like, why can't they do that? It's like saying, like, Anthony, I have an idea for a movie, and I'm upset that it's not Star Wars. <laughs> well, here's the... Why can't I mm-hmm. beat nine movies a four tv shows a hundred comics and a weekly video show that you host <laughs> i think for my idea <laughs> i'll tell you what i'll host the video show <laughs> okay great, part of the you. way there as long as the check's clear i'll come i'll come christian i, I think part of the thing <laughs> that kind of like yeah, stops it like yes i totally agree like you should i think you can and should enjoy it for what it is because it is fun and it's throwback sort of thing but Everything else in the game, like the graphics and especially like the cutscenes and the, the storytelling, I think the the dialogue, the acting, the storytelling is very strong, and so that's what makes you 
want to pull the gameplay forward as well. So it's a little, I wouldn't say discordant, but there, there, there's a little disconnect there of like, okay, every, the, the gameplay and the basic core concepts are, are cool and old school sort of, but everything else is modern and you, you expect everything to come modern. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's not, um, it, it clearly is a, a 2019 game um and, and and yeah the performances and again for me the faces the animations are incredible it's a beautiful game um yeah and I'll, I'll be playing more of it danish i imagine you will have you played any multiplayer did you dive into any of that uh horde or any stuff i have not yet? yeah no i i probably will like tomorrow the day after yeah um i mean first of all let's again uh praise xbox game pass because it's incredible that you know game's basically free if you have it yeah and this so, is a complete yeah, package. Maybe. This isn't like it's on Game Pass, but if you want to play multiplayer, that's DLC. It's a right. a big game, and also mad props to Xbox. It's on Steam. It's not, you know, yeah, man. Game Pass is Game Pass has changed everything for me, man. Game Pass, like I, I don't, I don't really hide it. I'm, I'm more of a, especially this generation. I'm more, I've been more of a PlayStation yeah. guy. I think a lot of people have. Game Pass, man. Game Pass has got me yeah. turning on that I mean, Xbox Games all the like time, Gears, man. but then also things like um, uh, Ori. Isn't Blair Witch on yeah, there? Yeah, Blair Witch, Ashen. Like, it, it's... Fr- yeah. What a mm-hmm. great... Yeah, it's incredible. Um, So you also have some Telling Lies and Control. Do you want to talk about either yeah, of those? Nothing, yeah, nothing too much more to add. Um, I, I'm enjoying both of them a, a lot. It's incredible. I haven't finished uh, either yet, so... But yeah, love them, love them both. What do you? I think Telling Lies was um, the one thing about that game, which is interesting because I was playing it kind of near uh, at the same time I was playing Eliza, and they're both very narrative-driven games. Um, Eliza isn't doing that much mechanically, but like I said, it's using the medium to tell the story, to enhance the storytelling, which is what Telling Lies is doing. Um, unfortunately, I thought that I was a little disappointed that Telling Lies didn't change the formula of her story; mm. that it's still search words keywords five results and that's the structure at the same time i'm still impressed that they can even make how do you write a game like this how do you make it unravel in the exact way that it does like i'm it's still amazing but i wish there was a little bit more how you do how you do fmv yeah, good. Well, you get amazing actors how you do fmv <laughs> good um someone clearly never it's played so mad good. dog because i'll tell you how you do it <laughs> Fair, fair. Uh, how so, Danish? I, I need to ask. Then, is it gonna is it gonna unravel for me? Because I'm still not sure if telling lies is gonna unravel for me. I think I found the one way where I will never solve it. Like I, I love it. I've played it probably another hour. Uh, I still don't know if I'm on to anything. I have just really? no clue. You don't know what any characters kind of up to. I know what they're all up to, and I feel like I know they're all talking to each other, but I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I have a notepad full of notes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's hard to talk about without like spoiling things. But... Yeah, exactly. Is it is it that you do not know what your main character yes. is? Okay. I don't know how. I, I don't know I... what my win objective is. If that makes sense. Yes. I, yes. Okay. I get that. And I'm, I also don't know that yet either, but I just am interested in this story that's un, unfolding. So I, yeah, I didn't, I don't, I'm not really frustrated by that yet. Maybe by the end it might, you know, come together or not, but yeah. Yeah. And then what are you playing control on and how is it performing for you? So I'm playing it on base PS4. 
don't do it. He's just going to bring up his no, 27. I know. Oh, yes, he's just going to talk about his 27. I felt, I already don't felt do it, it, dude. <laughs> he, he was late. Don't do it. He's going to talk about the race and how uh, trace my, they are. Don't let uh, him do it. Bonus sponsor, Ray Tracing. Uh, <laughs> tell him, tell him you're going to tell him you're playing it on a 2090. Make him look up whether there's a 2090. Uh, I'm take 2070 no. out of my computer, throw it in the trash because apparently <laughs> it's trash now. Actually, oh yeah, I'm playing it on the base PS4, and I mean it. I was kind of joking about this a little bit on Twitter. On Twitter, it's just like, yes, there's some slowdown when the, everything in the room explodes at once, but it's totally fine. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I guess, I'm not that much of a stickler when it comes to that thing. It, it never really inhibited my game play that much, really. Like, you know, just for a split second here and there. So, yeah. I don't know. It's because he hasn't seen the race. I know, I I'll be honest. I, I, I'm very tempted to at least rent or maybe buy it on PS4 as well and play it because I've had some friends play it on PS4 and I've played it on a pro. Um, and I, I kind of just want to see it for myself. Also, I kind of want an excuse to, to play it again. Is it on the? Uh, is it on the? Is it on the Xbox as well, or is it a it PS4 is. thing? It, it, it is. is? On, mm-hmm. It is on Xbox, and apparently, it runs a little better on Xbox and PS4. Like, I wonder, big, uh, I wonder sure. what it looks like on my X. I hear very good. I got to check out that X. Plus, I just, I, I love Remedy so much. The, uh, listeners probably are sick of me saying it. I love Control, Anthony. I, it's, it, you'll host the web show for me. I will make sure that you get a copy of this game if you're going to sit down. Yo, and play I'm it. ready to, I'm ready to host the Remedy show. I'm ready. To, it's just every week it's me sitting down with Sam Lake and being like, you weird. Let's do this. <laughs> I'd listen to that podcast. Uh, Sam Lake just un- unplugged, unchained, unchained. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I want to uh, give a shout out to Digital Foundry. They did this amazing video that I urge everyone to watch called "Control PC Ray Tracing's Killer App," and it is a, a great yes. breakdown of not only like what the tra- ray tracing does, but also just even base graphic um, techniques that every game uses. And even just that, like the first 10 minutes where it's telling you what the anti-aliasing is, what uh, screen space reflections are, what ambient inclusion is, all that stuff, it just goes step by step, turning it on and off and letting you see the difference. And watching this video, it's just the, even the non-ray tracing stuff, all the tricks they're doing, the game looks so good on even the base PS4. So it's blown, I'm still blown away by it. And then seeing the ray trace stuff, you know, obviously it's, it's pretty pretty. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everyone check, check out this video. It's really cool. I, I've only seen a little bit. I've only seen a little bit of it of the game so far because I, I don't I don't want anything remedy spoiled for me because I love remedy so much. But just even the little bit I, I saw was just like a classic remedy cut scene that was like a mix yeah, of CG that. and real actors standing in the same yes. place. And I was just like, yes, give me this weird okay. nonsense. I'm ready yes. to dive back in. <laughs> Yes. Sam has a tweet from 2012 uh, and like there was like this kind of viral blog like (laughs) like I love bees like that kind of thing when it was all the rage and it said and it's also um, uh, Alan Wake New Nightmare spoiler that song that plays at the end if you play it backwards and this was discovered in 2012 and people were like oh it's going to be Alan Wake 3 I was talking about a new Alan Wake but it says uh, it'll happen again and it will happen in a town called Ordinary. And it's like, and he's tweeting about that and creating fiction around it in, in 2012. I it's, love it. He's so good. It. Yeah. The other it's thing so that was good. spoiled for me was a minor, was like a minor Easter egg about Alan Wake. And it, it actually just made me, it actually just made me even more hype. 
Yeah. Oh, the, I, the way I'm the way he's always me. thinking and thinking about how all these things connect together and ugh, ugh, love him. Yeah. Love him. Real, real good. Um, Danish, did you want to talk about any other SNES, uh, Nintendo Online stuff while we're no, here? I think we co- I think we covered it pretty well. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, the new thing that I will talk about in addition to Gears Five, which again uh i really do enjoy (laughs) i really do um i finally got to play some astral chain which i i have a hard time saying for some reason astral chain i feel like i mumble through it astral chain Mm -hmm. uh the new platinum game on nintendo switch talk about a game that oozes style and this is a game that utilizes the whatever it is underpowered switch platform in such a magnificent way where it's this you know, pseudo cell shaded, but neon drenched world where it feels the opposite of um, near automata, which is so kind of white and uh, monochrome. Even when you're out in the world, to me, it felt muted. Um, Astral chain. Cha- I can't even say it. Astral chain. Is that chain? Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's bright. Um explosions uh everything about it is just kind of pulling me into the world in really fun and interesting ways the combat is such a wonderful tweak and evolution of kind of platinum combat where i'd be curious to have to hear (laughs) the impressions of a first-time platinum player playing this game because i know it reviewed very well and i think from where i am justifiably so but it is in depth. I feel that about everything you can I do. I feel that about every platinum game. Every time a platinum game comes out, I was like, dude, if this is your first platinum game, do you even know what you're doing? <laughs> how do you even explain this? <laughs> well, then, then I don't know how to explain this on top of that because I felt like <laughs> I feel like Bayonetta's like that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's between controlling your character, controlling your. Uh, I don't have your your monster link, your astral that's chained to you. Um, You have independent control over their movement uh, based on holding down a trigger and moving the right um, thumbstick. So you can be moving. It's like the tale of two brothers where you're controlling two things independently. You can both, if you can, you know, uh, get your hands working in the right way, which I think is harder on handheld mode than with a pro controller, but it can be, you can have it doing its own independent attacks while you're doing your own independent attack. Also dodging your character, looping your chain around enemies to constrain them. You can use if enemies charge at you, you can use your chain to, yeah, to fling them back. It is, uh, there's not a jump. I don't think that I have yet. Three out of 10. No jump. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It does seem anti platinum to some extent. Like, the game doesn't start until you get airborne, you know? Um, but my goodness, I don't know if anyone does. I don't want to call it third, per- third person combat because Gears is such a wonderful third person action game. And I think Control is as well. But this like melee brawler um, between. It's very, um, it's a very technical combat. Nobody, I think, does a technical combat the way Platinum yeah. does. It's it's they. I need to go replay Devil May Cry Five, especially now that it's on Game Pass mm-hmm. Two, so it's easy to cross compare. But both of those games are those publishers, those developers at the top of their of their freaking game. Absolutely incredible. 
Oh, I'm going to need to play Astral yeah. Chain. This seems, I can't say it either. Nobody can say it, but everybody go play it. <laughs> it's one of those games that it's a, it's, a it's one of those games that uh, I'm, go ahead. I'm jealous of because, you know, we do the podcast and we talk about these crazy game ideas and we've actually had an episode where we talked about, we had this game pitch called Tether Cars where two players drive cars with the tether between them and wreak <laughs> havoc. And this is almost like Tether Cars, but you're playing a character and you're playing, controlling both guys. And it, I don't know, it's a game that like, I wish we would make, you know? Yeah. Well, the other, the other thing I like yeah. about it too, is it is platinum also, while they make extremely technical action games, they also throw in all the dumb stuff that I love. Like, like it's, if it's a platinum game, you're going to find 50 million different outfits for your character, which I love. You're going to do like this game, I think has like the selfie mode and like a full camera mode. So like, as you're spinning around and like wrapping your chains around people, you're also like, let me compose a photo of this. Like it's all the dumb stuff that I like to have added to a game as well as like the incredibly technical stuff. Yeah, and the, what they do so well, I think it's love it or hate it, and I think Nier made more people love it than than not. But their storytelling is so unique. The, Astral Chain starts fairly slow. I thought Nier did as well, but then Nier, holy crap, you know, really flipped the script as you kept playing. Um, but no one approaches story the way they do. I it, it almost feels like, in my opinion, they take some of the best parts of jrpg narrative story stuff and put it in an action game where there's like mr x i guess it's 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 not quite full anime but it's like mr x reveals reversals endearing characters that like at one point will lose your trust (laughs) in some form or fashion you're like oh are they doing the right thing they are and then you're back on board again and presented so cinematically that yeah September's. Why do you say it's not full anime? Because full anime to me, as someone who is not a connoisseur of anime, Platinum doesn't spend an hour powering up. You know, it's it's mm. anime without any of the fluff. You know, it's like if you took a soap opera and you can do like the here's a soap opera in five minutes or here's Dragon Ball in two minutes. Here's everything, all the fights and all the plot of this entire season of Dragon Ball in 10 minutes. I feel like that's what Platinum games are, but they maintain that for 12 to 20 hours there's no downtime you're just constantly constantly going and you're like oh i'm so powerful i'm now i'm more powerful and and it's still delivering plot but there's not the you know four episodes where you're walking through the woods which to me would be pure (laughs) you gotta watch more anime but someone's probably yelling in their car yeah someone's probably right now in their car as i talk about it going no you're just talking you're just thinking about dragon ball you're just thinking about toonami you're not talking about anime. Yeah, yeah. Um, I gotta say, I, I will put this out. And I don't want to. I don't want to throw us into digression land too much. Near is near is maybe one of the only games they've ever made that bounced off me, and I don't know. Everybody loves it so much, and I feel like there's some sort of inevitable. Everybody tells me there's an inevitable opening up that where that it makes sense and it, and everything clicks, and I just never hit it. I guess I don't know. Dude, I am there with you. I I felt like I was taking crazy <laughs> pills. Near did not do it for me. How? Yeah, this is the weirdest question. That I think you only get to ask with Near a few select games. How many times did you beat it? Zero, <laughs> zero. I didn't. Um, well, I I did beat it once, um, and then I did go online and look at different like endings and different things, and like I basically spoiled it for myself to see 
because I knew I didn't like it very much and I knew that I wasn't going to beat it again. So I wanted to know, okay, well, how much am I actually missing? So I looked up some stuff and there's definitely cool stuff, but yeah, it didn't. Yeah, the first, yeah. the first thing it did, yeah, so- like the first optiony thing that you get that really plays with, that really makes it very meta. I don't want to give things away, but there's, there's, there's an upgrade that turns, that turns things very meta, very fast. And I was like, Oh, I get it. Clever, clever, clever. I was like, but is, is this, is this the extent of the cleverness? Does it just get more and more meta? No. <laughs> You're like, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. <laughs> and it's kind of thing like, I, I totally understand Danish, like the appeal of like looking online, but it's very different than experiencing it in my opinion, where, you know, it's like if someone gave you an onion and you thought it was an apple, mm-hmm. right? Like not the taste, but like the peeling away. And you're like, oh, I get it. There's another layer under that. And then you peel it and you're like, but I didn't yeah, know this layer not- would be here. Whoa. I know, but there's only so far you can get when you don't love the minute to minute, you know? Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is is when when I say, I don't know, it bounced off me and the response is, how many times did you beat it? I'm like, <laughs> whoa, okay. That's no, like, you get past that's like when somebody, you that's, yeah, that's something when season four gets really yes. good. Yeah, just watch 72 hours of this thing and then it really picks up, which to be fair, if you're going to defend anime, we also have to defend <laughs> saying that. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like when somebody tells me, watch this TV show for three seasons and then it really picks up. And I'm like, did it or did you just get Stockholm syndrome? And now you watch this yeah. show? Right. It, it, and yeah, <laughs> perfectly valid. I, I am excited to see you play Astral Train and see what you think about how it kind of spins up. Um, I think September or the these last four months or whatever of 2019 are very expensive so many games yes. man so so many games and then nintendo gave you 20 of the most incredible super nes games for free <laughs> um yeah okay that was uh, a wonderful conversation i i need to thank our second sponsor and then i want to do uh some quick questions because I, I brought it back uh go to our subreddit uh five by five dlc and i started quick questions uh version four volume four getting new quick questions. I want, I want to keep doing these. I have a couple here that we will hit, but first I need to thank um, our second sponsor native. They create safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. You can check out the over 8,000 five-star reviews from their customers. I have the uh, cucumber and mint native deodorant that I have been using for, I don't know. It's probably like three weeks, a month now. Um, it's, the best smelling deodorant I've ever used. I can't speak to how well the other scents smell, but I am very intrigued to try them all. Cucumber and mint, I am a huge, a huge fan of. Um, it can hang out with your workout, busy day, 16 hour day, working out, um, test it, uh, try it, um, free shipping. It's uh, no animal testing, free shipping, free returns. Um, there's a wide variety of the other, the other scents, uh, coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint. Again, my favorite eucalyptus and mint, which would be my, the next one I picked because I love eucalyptus. Um, try it, check it out. Uh, you've seen it on today's show, women's health, good morning, America, pop sugar, nylon, hello giggles, and more. And it's ingredients, you know, fewer, simpler ingredients. So, you know, everything that's in the deodorant, um, it's priced at a slight premium when compared to conventional deodorants, but it is safe and is effective and it's because of the great ingredients they're using it and you can subscribe and save 17 percent 
That's saving $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. So you never have to wake up that day. It's always the most important day. And you're like, dang it, I'm out of deodorant. It will be there for you when you need it. And uh, you can get 20% off your first purchase. Visit nativedeodorant.com. That is nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DLC during checkout. nativedeodorant.com, promo code DLC. Thank you, Native, for helping bring this show to everybody for free. Cucumber and Mint, that's my team. Uh, quick questions. Let's do, let's do some quick questions. I think these are, um, these are fun. These are fun. Let's see, which one do I want to start with? Oh, yes, this is great. I like this question a lot. This comes from Data is Power, which is on the old thread and the subreddit, but there's a new one so people can, can post to it. But I really like this question. Mr. Carboni, I will start with you. Here's the question. Are there any games you hope never get a competitive league? It seems like every game has an esports community nowadays, and then it becomes difficult to talk about the game without someone asking you who your main is or analyzing the best min-max strategies. But there are certainly games... I, that is power, think are much more enjoyable when played casually and not taken very seriously. Do you have a game in mind that you hope can stay casual? Or my twist to this is like, how do you avoid the ultra competitive side of gaming? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any game that I don't want to get an esports league that would lend itself to one, if that makes sense. Like if it lends itself to it, I, I hope it gets it. I hope they all get one. Um you know, when you're talking about what do I do, this is a question that's familiar to anybody who like plays sports, right? It's like there is major league baseball out there. And if you play baseball, even if you play on an intramural league or you go to a batting cage, uh, people are going to talk to you about your technique. That's just part of playing a sport. It's, it's naturally built into it. So, um, I think the thing to remember is that just because people take it super seriously, doesn't mean that you have to take it super seriously and you don't have to feel like, you need to get caught up in that or in those conversations. You can just tell people, and this is where it clashes with sort of video game culture is like nobody in video game culture wants to say that they only play something super casually. <laughs> like it feels sort of weird because it sort of feels like that that is that is gamer jargon for I don't care enough about a game. Uh, but but I think it's hmm. okay to just say, hey, I don't I don't really play this professionally. I don't really get into the meta of it. I just enjoy playing it, which is something I I say when I talk about something like like Apex or Overwatch. I'm terrible at both, and I'm totally fine with that. And I will never learn to be better because it doesn't interest me. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, Danish, what's your approach to this? Do you kind of see the competitive scene, you know, dominating conversations around games, or how do you kind of stay casual with the games that uh, you want to just keep on a cash basis? Yeah, that's a it's a tough one. I I, I can see um, what uh, data is power is, is talking about because sometimes things get overtaken a little bit. But yeah, you just have to kind of step back a bit and like you know, fighting games are a perfect example. You know what? Actually, any any online game because there's always that sort of joke of like, oh, well, I'm going to go online and get my butt kicked, right? Well, you could step back and you can try playing local, you know, versus. You can try getting into more games with your friends and your peers that are on your own level. And that's how you can keep things casual. You know, there's a lot of games that I don't play online, but I do play a lot with my friends. Hmm. I think that's one way to do it. Yeah. I think for me, what, what kind of resonated with this question is the fact that 
in our glorious internet age, there it's easy to end up at the place with experts about any subject. It's like, oh, um, Apex. Anthony mentioned Apex. Apex Legends. I, I I like this game. This game's fun. I want to learn a little bit more about it. And then before I know it, I'm on the message board where like the top pros in the world are, are playing too, or so. And it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh no. Oh, I'm supposed to be flanking over the garbage heap at okay oh man i've oh no i'm doing it all wrong like that's the baggage i bring into it and like i stumble upon i end up on shuriken or something like that and it's like oh i really oh i don't i've been playing street fighter wrong for over 50 <laughs> years <laughs> like i don't i don't know what i'm doing and that like because of that that will kind of push me off of a game a little bit where it's like well i'm never gonna play it air quote right i guess i'll just go play this other game instead. The one game that I've avoided that with, I guess two, I pop into Fortnite every now and again still, and I'm never good at that. Um, I think I've won once on solo. Um, and I have a 2070 super. How but, those raised. Um, is, got those raised. Is, is, uh, I also like the world where I'm bragging about having the not most powerful graphics card yeah. still. Like, <laughs> uh, what did you um, say? Is it 2070 Rocket Ti? League. No, I didn't I said super. No, I didn't say <laughs> Yeah. 2080 Ti? No, no, no. There's there's better ones than what I have. This is the one I have. Um, Rocket League pulls me back, and I have avoided that competitive scene or even people yeah. yelling at me that I don't know what I'm doing, and I still play like, it. I love, so like, I love Destiny, too. I love that. De- you know I love Destiny. Dest- I've, I've just always loved it, but I love it in sort of like a run around this amazing world and collect different scarves. Like, that's how I like Destiny. And I have friends that I can play Destiny with, and then I have friends that I can't play Destiny with because we'll go do like, <laughs> we'll go do like a uh, like a nightfall strike, and they'll be like, "You stand over here now, move here now, do this now." And I was like, "Dude, you're not my coach. You're not my dad. I just want to like play this game. Please, please, like, please stop moving me like a puppet through your commands. Can I please just have fun playing this?" Game? <laughs> Anthony to Rook Four. Anthony to like, Rook Four. And I think you know when when a game has a league has an esports league around it it's harder to avoid that and so i like you know i kind of like what what danish is saying where it's like no find find the other people who just want to have fun (laughs) find the other kids on the Mm -hmm. playground who just want to like hit the ball in the air you know (laughs) as opposed and it's something that that games are are wrestling with i mean you mentioned destiny and they kind of revamped their I don't want to call it clan system, but I can't think of what it's actually called now, but like to onboard and find those people that play the way you play it. And then all at the same time, um, have someone teach you if you do want to learn, but in a friendly pressure-free environment instead of, yeah, that guided you know, game thing, I'm going to play this such rate. a smart idea where it's like, Hey, yeah. I am a good player and I get a little, I get a little reward for helping you become a better player. And that's so much better than being thrown in with like two other people that you don't know. And they're just like, okay, you new guy don't screw this up and you're like oh yeah and and then i'm not asking for anything that can't be talked about but to praise where i think it needs to be praised i think mortal kombat 11 does a great job of teaching fighting in in, in a genre that often in my opinion doesn't there are some that do a very good job of it but the way that i can have the hud on the way that i can spend time learning new characters and climbing through the towers and experiencing new characters in all the different ways that lets me get to a place where, dare I say, I'm comfortable with them before taking them online is something that I wish more games would do because I, I 
I need to be onboarded before I get my butt kicked. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but that was something we felt really strongly about and worked toward it for years because we added it to Injustice 2 in the Legendary Edition and then we ran with it for Mortal Kombat 11. But yeah, I totally agree. We need, uh, it's the hardest thing to pull people up to a higher level and um, try to make it as, you know, easy as you can. Yeah. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you for this one. This comes from Zookeeper Zeke. Uh, hopefully the thread is still active. That one's not because it was inactive for too long, but there's a new one, 4.0. Head over to the subreddit. I want more quick questions. Um, what was the first video game you ever played? Zookeeper Zeke says, the details are a bit hazy, but mine was the Atari VCS port of Berserk in 1981. Danish, the first video game you ever played. There's a few that are kind of hazy. I don't know which one actually came first, but it was a tw- Atari 2600. There was, I think my cousin got it and I think he got a number of games at the same time or something. Cause I distinctly remember, you know, pit, uh, pitfall adventure, combat, that sort of stuff. And then, um, he also got a Commodore 64. We were playing games on that. So that that's kind of where I was at. And then later my other cousin bought it at NES and then playing super Mario for the first time, just the graphical leap was incredible so yeah atari anthony do you remember yeah, your dreamcast first game? in the uh in the infant <laughs> board uh yeah um, oh yeah sorry we covered it man i am uh let's see it was it was one of three arcade games i can't remember which one was first but it was either the original star wars arcade game centipede or pac-man in all honesty okay yeah in the arcade, you think? In it was definitely an arcade machine. Yeah, I remember play. Dang. I was I played games like I my my dad was secretly into video games, and so he would take me. I was I had to have been like three three or four years old the first time I was in an arcade. Hmm. Wow, that's very well. Uh, you have the coolest answer and the coolest dad. So I, um, <laughs> uh, I think mine was Mousetrap for the ColecoVision. Wow which is, it was kind of like a Pac-Man knockoff, as I remember it. And you had like a little, there's like a pad you put over your pad. Yeah. Like the ColecoVision had like numbers. You had to put like, it's like putting the final cut uh, or, you know, like the premiere uh, keyboard overlay over a regular keyboard. So now you know what it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had to, you had to have those for the ColecoVision or for the Atari 5200 had them too. Cause they had that one through nine, like telephone number pad. Yeah. And otherwise you could never, cause it also wasn't uniform. Like I think Halo needs to be given more credit for, and then call of duty running with it, but kind of like standardizing control mm-hmm. <laughs> for a, a, a big part on modern consoles. And back then it was like, yeah, one game seven would be right. And then another game would be nine. And you had to put this little, you know, decoder <laughs> ring over your phone, numeric keypad. Um, Do you remember uh, playing games where, you would just go from like QWERTY just all the way down, hitting a button at a time to figure out what each button did. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know. Do, do either of you know, like when did WASD become standard? Because as an old, I definitely remember w- when games weren't that. I mean, probably probably Doom? Wolfenstein and Doom. Yeah. Had to. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Like maybe it was old. Maybe I actually it was remember old, up, like, down, left, right for those. Yeah. Dungeon crawlers maybe use that as well like old school, like screen by screen dungeon crawlers. I don't know. That's yeah. a great, that's a great question. It's yeah. a good question. 
But we're at a place now where it's like most games, like everybody will have their own, you know, little tweaks and quirks to it. But like most of the time you can sit down at a keyboard or someone can hand you a controller. And for the three of us, we know about what we're doing. The first time. Okay. Okay. Wait, here it is. Dark Castle may have been the, in 1986, may have been the first game to use WASD keys and mouse for control. Half-Life was, Half-Life was one of the first to use it by default. Huh. Huh. That's wow. So there you go. What were you going to say, Danish? Sorry. Uh, I can't remember. Um, But I was going to say, I have a quick question for you guys. Mm. Okay. Uh, What Dreamcast game did you put the most hours (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, So it was Fantasy Star Online. It was okay. It was, okay. It was uh, the online MMO for babies. It was a baby MMO, <laughs> um, and it was the first game, the first on, first and only maybe online game that I got fully addicted to. I remember I was in, uh, I was in your your mother's womb. Yeah, uh, it was. I was I was in the infant in the infant ward at the hospital, <laughs> and somebody was explaining to me what a modem was, and. Um, I was like, this seems weird. Uh, no, I remember being in probably like my freshman year of college and uh, getting the Dreamcast and getting PSO and yeah. just monopolizing, because I didn't have broadband at my house, just monopolizing the phone. Monopolizing. <laughs> like I'd come home and in the <laughs> afternoon it would be, I'd play with all my friends in the US and then everybody in the US would go to bed and all of a sudden I was playing with my friends in Europe. And then all of a sudden it was, and they would all go to bed and then it was like people in Japan. And you remember Fantasy Star had like, you can make your own emoji to talk to people. Um, yeah. Like it had an emoji drawing system. And uh, I, we couldn't understand each other and we're just sending each other emojis. And then it was like, oh, snap, time to go to class. And then I would come home from class, take a nap and play Fantasy Star again. If I went oh to class, God. if I went to class, uh, <laughs> Fantasy Star was a problem and I loved it more than anything in the world. <laughs> so I have a feeling I know what's going on on your stream right now. Um, <laughs> Anthony is currently playing fantasy star I, we can't we're we can't play fantasy star because i couldn't i couldn't source a broadband adapter for the for the dreamcast unfortunately it, it couldn't get here from japan in time um and it's probably for the best it's probably for the best though there are fan <laughs> servers like you can hook up there are people who reverse yeah. engineered the fantasy star server and they create new quests and like people log like people go on and play fantasy star on a dreamcast it's wild that's awesome it's so good. For my answer is is uh I think far less cool. It's one of two games. It's likely either Soul Calibur, mm-hmm. um, which just one of three games I should say. Soul Calibur, Tony Hawk, yep. or the honest, probably most likely answer is NFL Blitz two thousand two. I would I was gonna I think the easy the easy money for me was on Tony Hawk for you. I would have thought it would would have been Tony Hawk or I would have thought you would have been a jet jet set radio guy. I was all over jet set radio, but mm-hmm. I could only beat it so many times. That's true. It wasn't like an open skating game. Right. So Tony Hawk two was huge on Dreamcast. Yeah, that's Spider Man. So good. Yep. I would host Soul Calibur tournaments in my dorm in college. And NFL Blitz saying we would host tournaments and I would uh, travel with it. When we would travel for track, I would bring my Dreamcast um, with me to hotel rooms and we would 
set up tournaments in the hotel room, um, you know, after the track meet Friday, Saturday night, and we'd come back and be playing blitz or soul caliber all night. And then fly back just dead tired the next people morning. don't give the dreamcast <laughs> enough credit for it. it was it was light it was portable it had four controller ports it had like a lot mm-hmm. of multiplayer stuff like it was a fun console man maybe best version of Bomberman. oh for sure for and sure Choo rocket Choo rocket played a lot of like had a ton of weird art games played a lot of res played a lot of cosmic smash Mm-hmm. so so good what about you danish did you have uh, a what, what was your time definitely saying? soul caliber for me was was one of the top ones i mean we would same sort of thing we played nonstop. in fact there was me and a couple friends from college we had a scoreboard that we kept going for multiple years yes. like thousands of games and we would have like a, a little tick mark next to wins losses and the amazing thing is it was all pretty even up to like game thousand that we were all like kind of evenly matched so it was kind of fun <laughs> And uh, the other one that you guys haven't mentioned yet is Super Monkey Ball. Yep. We used to play oh, that yes. all the time, all the time. It was amazing. So uh, the first one and the second one, I think the second one is still for Dreamcast. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Oh, Crazy Taxi. A lot of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, man. I have to I have to admit something. Um, I was partially responsible for killing the Dreamcast. Oh, we all were. Uh, we all were. Yes. If you had a CD burner, you killed the Dreamcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, yes. So. Sorry. Well, happy nine nine, everybody. Happy nine nine, you uh, murdered the best console. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are. But also, like Shenmue, uh, Marvel Capcom two, Virtua Tennis. Like, there's oh, so much Virtua Tennis. So much yes. split screen Quake three on a TV. That yeah. was great to do. Like, it was a good mm. console, man, and it was a great console for just sitting in a living. I think the Xbox overtook it, but I think for sitting in a living room and just playing the hell out of a bunch of games with friends it was so good it was so good power stone power stone Ugh. yeah seaman no okay leonard nimoy <laughs> i remember the fish. first time we, we got to him to, no oh, we got seaman and that was that was amazing <laughs> uh well we have a parting gift uh coming up uh here in a little bit but first we'd hit it uh at the top of the show but also uh danish where can people keep up with you and in, in your doings and where can people find the podcast uh, and stuff like that? So you can uh, find me on Twitter at, at underscore Danish Syed. It's D-A-A-N-I-S-H-S-Y-E-D. You can find someone should make this on any podcast feed. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mr. Carboni, how uh, about you? Twitter and Instagram are a Carboni. Uh, if you want to watch me on Twitch, including today's charity stream for the Dreamcast, that's uh, twitch.tv slash Anthony Carboni. Uh, and then every Wednesday on the Star Wars show on starwars.com or youtube.com slash Star Wars. The Emmy award winning. The Emmy award winning Star Wars show, everybody. That's Anthony right. Anthony Carboni. Yeah. <laughs> you, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an incredible show and uh, everyone should watch it. It's, Thank you. Uh, you guys do real good work. Uh, for me, Twitter's probably the best at Spicer. Um, when Jeff's away, Christian has not been streaming these on Twitch anymore that often, but you know, I might, uh, I like it. I just haven't because of scheduling, but that's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Um, I was going to plug a show that I did on Sunday, but that would have been too late. So you didn't come to that. Um, or you did and it was fun. Thanks for being there. I had a really good set, uh, but that was old. 
uh yeah that that's it for me i think uh let's uh send him home with a sweet 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 parting gift anthony can you recommend something for our listeners that perhaps isn't a video game to help get them through their week yes ikea symphonisk smart speakers Ooh, you like them or you They're have them changing you play with them? my life so i just moved into a new place ikea and sonos teamed up to make uh, sonos speakers that are half the price of regular sonos speakers so if you're looking to set up surround sound in your house and you want it to be unobtrusive or cheap uh the symphonics is, is the way to do it i have two of their bookshelf speakers and then i have two of their speakers that are lamps so like if you've ever had the problem of where do I set up rear channels? They're ugly. I don't want to mount them to my wall. They don't fit oh, anywhere. Yeah. Get two of these IKEA lamps. They look lovely on a table. And then you can set up your surround sound. Symphonist. How has no one ever done that before? How do they sound? That is How do they sound? I'll tell you, I I between my regular Sonos Play Ones and my Symphonists. Uh, the Symphonisks are maybe a little bassier than they should be, but that's something that you can change. I think they sound great. Wow. Yes. Well, that's a great party gift. Danish, uh, no pressure. <laughs> uh, I have a couple things real quick. Um, if you are enjoying Control, uh, there's a couple things you can watch to have a similar vibe. I would say Netflix's Maniac has a really cool, mm-hmm. very esoteric, kind of abstract 70s-inspired theme which is super cool um annihilation the movie and book and particularly its sequel book authority is even closer to kind of what this is but annihilation another awesome sci-fi mind-bendy movie is one of my favorite movies last year a couple years ago yeah and then an older one that's actually not a great movie but still worth checking out is richard kelly's the box which is kind of a twilight zoney sort of sci-fi movie with cameron diaz and um yeah, it's got a cool vibe to it, a very cool vibe. So there's that. And then the other thing real quick I would say is look into getting a backyard projector from your local library. So I did this recently. I found out that my library actually checks out projectors and like a screen and everything. Checked it out, took it home. Hmm. We watched uh, Princess Bride on a giant 120-inch projector and had uh, like you know, my kids were there, had their friends over. It was just a blast. So I did not know that that's something libraries did. So look into that, and it's it's totally awesome. Hell yeah, libraries. Yeah. Hell yeah, libraries. Well, no, no pressure me. Mine's way less exciting, but it's incredible. Uh, I've talked about, I think, the past two as well, probably as parting gifts on here, and it is Thrawn Treason yeah, by Timothy Vaughn. <laughs> it's, it's been out for a little while, but I do it through my Libby app, which I've also probably plugged on here because I love my library and I love my Libby. Um I'm so I'm so glad that Timothy Zahn is is writing Thrawn again and writing Thrawn officially again. And I love the character so much. And this is in no way a spoiler for Treason. It's a broad character spoiler if you don't know the character at all. But I feel like every Thrawn book or Thrawn story should be it could be called Colon. Who thinks they think they're smarter than yeah. Thrawn this time? <laughs> And the answer is no one ever, but it's always like, I've heard stories of his brilliance, but I'll be the one to test if he's really as brilliant. He is as brilliant. Oh, crap. <laughs> but so far, uh, I'm loving treason and uh, did check you, it out. It's Timothy's on. Did you so watch uh, Rebels at all? The animated series? Uh, <laughs> did I watch Rebels at all? Never heard of it. It's, I'm sure it's not. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
It's incredible. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And if you and if you like Thrawn, and if you're somebody who liked the old Thrawn books, Thrawn is the bad guy in the like in the last season of Rebels, and it's so good. It's so good when he shows up. Is Thrawn it's, treason it's a good, really good starting point? Start with just Star Wars Thrawn. If you if you feel yeah. like it's a, it's okay. definitely a yeah. trilogy. It's it's Thrawn and then alliances and then treason. Yeah, and and Thrawn is so good. I would say like alliances. I'm sure it, I've already know how it does connect some to alliances. Alliances so far is the weakest of the three, um, but Thrawn by itself as a standalone is incredible. So I would definitely not recommend skipping it to get to treason. Start with Thrawn, and then if you like it, keep pushing forward. But treason is really really mm-hmm, well cool. done. Yeah. Really well done. And speaking of done, our show is done. Thank you to Danish Syed, Anthony Carboni, all of you for listening. And of course, Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the bumpers um, that, you know, I'm giving them a little break, uh, mostly because I don't have them on my (laughs) (laughs) And if And if he makes Jeff look for them to send them to him, Jeff could go blind. I'm not going to do do that. that. I'm not. Yeah. You can't can't do do that. that. I'm not going to do that. I would no. never do that. Um, yes. <laughs> but thank you for that. Thank you to everybody that uh, spread the word about the show, telling their friends. Thank you, everybody that uh, sent in kind words and is hanging out and enjoying these, you know, different takes to DLC. And, um, of course, you know, thanks to Jeff Kanata. Feel better, buddy. We, we love, love you. We can't wait to have you back on the show. And uh, until next week, um, think about what you put into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>